0: My grandma and Grandpa Green both grew up not too far from here uh, in Greene County. And their parents were farmers uh, who lived very simple lives, not easy lives, uh, but very simple. And when he was 18, my grandfather joined the army, served our country, he fought throughout Europe in World War II. And he never really talked much about those days. I, I would ask him questions and, and he wouldn't really share too much information, which actually kind of spoke volumes to what it was probably like for him and what his experiences were. And to me, my grandfather was a hero. To him, he was just doing his part, like, like everyone else was during that time. When the war was over, uh, grandma and grandpa, uh, began to build a life together. They bought several hundred acres of land between Worthington and Jasonville. If you ever drive on Highway 48 in that area, you actually go right through the Green family farm. My, my grandma still lives in the red brick ranch that my grandfather built uh, many, many years ago. About two miles down the, the dusty gravel road next to their house uh, is the church that my grandparents attended. Lincoln Christian Church is this quintessential country church. It's white building, stained glass windows, tall steeple. And while the building is pretty ordinary, nothing really spectacular about it, the people inside of it were absolutely incredible. It was a church of faithful men and women, many of whom were my grandparents age. They were simple farmers who loved God and loved their country and made great sacrifices for both. And my grandparents served at that church. They faithfully and sacrificially gave to that church. I've, I've met ministers over the years at different conferences and events. And even, even when I was going through college, I've met ministers who, who went through that town preaching revivals and stayed at my grandparents' house while they were there. It's been so sweet and special to hear stories uh, from their time with them. And grandma and grandpa didn't have much, but what they did have they were willing to, to share with others. When I felt a call to ministry in the summer of 1998, this little country church of about 80 to 100 people invited me to come and, and share my story, just kind of share what God was doing in my life. And later on that day, one of the elders, whose age lived up to that title, <laughs> gave us a call to tell us that they would like to pay my tuition for as long as I was in Bible college pursuing this call to ministry. Their sacrificial gift is part of the reason why I stand here today. I'd been a follower of Jesus for about two weeks at that time. And it spoke volumes to me about what it means to be faithful to the Lord and to serve others. And when I look back, I am eternally grateful for the spiritual influence my grandparents had on me and the sacrifices that they made for my family, for their church, and for our country. And we're starting a new series this morning. It's going to be a little bit different than, than our typical series, but it's one that, that honestly I've been looking forward to now for, for over a year. It's called Generations. And the idea behind it is that God, in his infinite wisdom, has designed his church to be this beautiful, diverse multi-generational body of Christ. And when people from all generations come together underneath the unity of the spirit, the church is stronger and can grow in to become all that God intended for it to be. It's it's why generational ministry is so important to us at Sherwood Oaks. It's it's tied up in our mission. Our mission as a church is to be people helping people grow generations of Christ-led influencers. And that phrase, grow generations, is is very intentional about who we are and what we do. We don't want to just grow and serve a single generation. We want to raise up multiple generations of Christ-led influencers, followers of Jesus, who will continue to reach people with the gospel long after we are gone. That's why one of our values is we mentor across generations because we believe that there is so much that we can learn from one another and that we can teach one another. If we only spend time with people who are in the same age and stage of life that we're in, we miss out on on so much. Sometimes it can be like the blind leading the blind, like we we don't actually know where we're going. We need one another to learn from and to, to teach. And so we foster mentoring relationships between the generations. We value multi-generational ministry because we feel like God values it. That's how he designed his church and it's part of how we grow as followers of Jesus. Unfortunately, we've probably all seen this. The differences between generations oftentimes creates this gap between us, that becomes a source of tension between the various age groups as, as, they, as they just try to figure out how to react and respond to the changing world around them. We find that, that each generation does it just a little bit differently than the previous generation. And, and instead of like coming together to, to learn how can, we, how can we adapt, how can we change, how can we grow through these changing times together, oftentimes we kind of pit ourselves against one another. We stereotype and we criticize. And this doesn't just happen in the culture. This happens in in the church as well. But at Sherwood Oaks, we want to be different because here's what we believe. We believe the diversity of the generations help us know God and what it means to follow him more. I believe that each generation models a characteristic of God's nature and we can learn from one another. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at each of the generations and what their unique uh, kind of spiritual gifts and strengths are and what they can teach us about the character and nature of God and what it means to know, love, and follow him. And as we do, I really believe that our faith is going to strengthen, we'll grow in our appreciation for one another, and our church will be stronger. And so today we're starting with the traditionalist. Uh, those who were born, you know, roughly between 1920 and 1945, the, the traditionalists model commitment and show us the value of self-sacrifice for the benefit of others. And think about the people that you know in this generation. Like, I cannot think of two better words to describe them than commitment and sacrifice, now the traditionalists are, are also known as the silent generation they they were born uh, between uh, two generations that that we maybe are a little bit more familiar with the G i generation sometimes referred to as the greatest generation and, and then and then after them were was the boomer generation and these these kind of are are, are two prominent generations in American history that the traditionalists are sandwiched in between. They're kind of like this this middle child, but traditionalists carry a lot of the the same values as those born before them in the greatest generation. Their their lives were marked by, by events like the Great Depression. In fact, many traditionalists still today will hang on to things because, you know, in their words, you just never know when you might need it. The Great Depression drove that value into so many from this generation. They were shaped by World War II. Some were too young to to fight, but everyone made sacrifices during that time and they did what they could uh, to help towards the effort. In fact, Libby Rader, who was in the, the video that we saw earlier, she said that she remembers her family saving every piece of Aluminum foil in the house, even down to the gum wrappers, they, they could not throw away any foil and After they had saved enough, what they would do is is her dad would take it to a place in town where they would repurpose it and turn it into supplies that would be used for those fighting in the war. And this generation was shaped by, by the mass relocation as families moved from the farm to the city. This move would, would continue to shape generations, even still today. It's, it's during this time that many of the traditionalists starting to get married and kind of settle down into their careers and start their families, just like Kelly's grandparents did. Let's check out her video. My grandfather was in the war. Um, he trained people to fly B-52 bombers. He was in Florida doing training And um, he was in love with my grandmother, who was a little bit younger than he was. And someone flew her down to see him. And at that point, they were just friends. And um, before he shipped out on that one visit, they got married. And they built a beautiful, simple life together based on service and love of God and love of country. And I think it's sort of that quintessential story. Clearly had a big difference in my family because we're all here because of, because of the choices that they made. I imagine that Kelly's grandparents' story is a lot of your stories, maybe your parents' story, maybe your own grandparents' story. And some of my, the, my favorite people that I've ever met, been able to spend time with, interact with are folks from the traditionalist generation. They've taught me so much about faith and about family, about what it means uh, to to love others and to be patient and kind. The spiritual strengths of this generation that I've seen, maybe you've seen, others have have certainly written about, is that they have a strong sense of cooperation. People in this generation worked together and relied on one another. They were able to put aside their differences and work together for the common good. Such a novel idea, isn't it? (laughs) I think we could probably learn a little something from them about that today. People in this generation serve with no strings attached. They just want to help where they can and expect nothing in return. They'll go out of their way to serve others if it means helping them. They're sacrificial givers. Many nonprofit organizations were founded out of this generation. Studies even show that it it is difficult to outgive a traditionalist. And it's not because they have a lot, it's because they sacrificially give to the churches and to the organizations that they believe in. And when I think of passages that capture the strengths and the values of this generation, I think of Jesus' words to his disciples in John chapter 15. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, I invite you to turn there with me. We'll have the words up on the screen as well. John chapter 15. In our text today, Jesus is spending some of his final moments with his disciples. Um, he's right, you know, kind of night before or night of his arrest, um, his trial day before his crucifixion. And, and he's talking to them about some pretty important things. I mean, you can imagine some of the last words that, that he's going to speak to his disciples before his crucifixion. It, These words probably carry a little bit more weight to them. They probably probably matter quite a bit. And and so Jesus is talking about some some important stuff. He's comforting them for what's ahead. He's he's kind of speaking peace over them. He's telling them about the Holy Spirit that he will send to them. the, The advocate that would fill them, guide them. And in John chapter 15, Jesus tells his disciples and I believe by extension us as well to remain in him. To stay connected to him like a vine is connected to a branch. And if they do, Jesus says that they they will bear fruit of of love and faithfulness, not just in their lives but also in the lives of of others. And in verse 9 14, Jesus helps us understand a little bit more about what love looks like. Look at what he says. He says, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. And in these verses, Jesus teaches us about some of the characteristics of love, God's love for us, but then what it also looks like and means to love him and to love others well. And the first thing that we see is that love equals commitment. Love is not just a word that we use. It's not just a feeling. It's not just an emotion. Love is, is an action. It is displayed in our our actions. It's displayed in our commitment. that Jesus modeled this kind of love for us in the way that he was committed to the Father and obeyed him. And a deep abiding connection to Jesus ought to produce a love for Jesus inside of us that that has those same characteristics, that is committed to him, that, that obeys him, that love others how he loved us. And when we pursue this kind of committed love to the Lord, we discover that lasting joy is found in obeying Jesus and loving others. In verse 10, Jesus says that he wants his disciples to remain in him and obey God's commands so that their joy may be complete. It it seems like there is this relationship between obedience and joy, that that the two go hand in hand. And I think we find that as we give ourselves away for the good of others, And we serve others as Jesus served us. There is this deep sense of joy that that resides in our souls that cannot be taken away. A joy that Jesus himself wants us to experience as we remain connected to him. And finally, we see in these verses that love requires sacrifice. Jesus teaches us to love each other as I have loved you. And you think about just the ways that Jesus loved us. He loved us by serving us, by giving himself for us, by laying his life down for us. And so, love that is shaped and inspired by Jesus will cost us something. It will require something of us that might be difficult to give, but Because true love, Jesus' love, requires some sort of sacrifice. We pursue that. And this is the kind of love with which God has loved us, and it's the kind of love that He has called us to each other. It's an obedient, committed, joy filled, sacrificial love, and I am so grateful for how those in our church from the traditionalist generation have modeled this for us, how they have shown and continue to show us a love characterized by commitment and, and sacrifice to help us see this verse live out and inspire us to live it out in our own lives. And in many ways, the Sherwood Oaks was built on the sacrifices of the traditionalist generation. It was their sacrificial giving and and fierce loyalty that saw our church through early struggles and difficult days. When opportunities came up to buy this property and build this facility, many from this generation gave sacrificially and generously, praying for this church to shine as a bright light in our community and in our world. Their service in this church has helped us reach thousands of people for Christ locally and, and globally. And many from this generation continue to serve faithfully in the, in the children's ministry, in the peacemaker's ministry. They, they teach and lead life groups and Sunday school classes, even serve as, as greeters on Sunday mornings. And when I think about this generation and their example of loving God and loving others, it makes me reflect on my, on my own life. And I find myself asking, what am I willing to let go of for the sake of someone else? Because that's really what sacrificial love is, right? It's being willing to let go of something for the sake of someone else. So what are you willing to let go of for the sake of someone else? And this generation has sacrificed so much. What am I willing to sacrifice for the good of someone else? And I see how they loved God and they loved others, and they're such great examples of what Jesus teaches us in John 15, and it inspires me to want to love how they love. And so, as we kind of wrap up this morning, I want to talk directly to those of you who are in the traditionalist generation. If that's you, just I hope that you hear these words. We love you. We appreciate you. We are so grateful for your sacrificial giving and your service to the Lord and to our church and to our country. All of us, we are better because of you. We are so incredibly grateful for you. And until Jesus calls you home, you are a valuable, loved, and respected part of our church family. And we still need you today. And thank you for modeling for us commitment and sacrifice, for showing us the value of serving others and putting their needs even above your own. As a church, We stand on your shoulders today and we are grateful for you. Would you help me uh, show our appreciation to those who are in the traditionalist generation today? So here's my challenge to us uh, this morning as we kind of close off. It'll be the same challenge that, that I give each, each week. My challenge is, is for you, if you're, if you're from a generation different from the traditionalists, to find someone in that age group, roughly 75 or above, and sit down with them this week for a conversation. Maybe give them a call on the phone, talk to them, learn from them. I encourage you to to reach out and do something and and some way to spend time with someone from this generation. Ask about their life, seek their advice. Ask them what what they know now that they wish they would have known at your age. I found that folks in this generation are so much wiser than I am. And like, it's not even close. (laughs) And plus they're reaching the age where they don't really care as much what people think anymore. And so they're gonna tell you (laughs) how it is, whether you wanna hear it or not. And so as a church, let's honor this generation and grow in our faith by following their example of sacrificially loving and serving others. And I believe that in doing so, we will be more like Jesus who sacrificially loved and served us too. Would you stand with me as I'll close this off with a word of prayer. God, I'm so thankful just uh, for, for the folks that are in the traditionalist generation. God, I thank you for the sacrifices that they made for us, that many of them even continue to make in, in ways seen and a lot of ways unseen for the church today. Lord, we truly do stand on their shoulders, and, and we are grateful for them. Lord, I pray that, that in light of their example of sacrifice and commitment, that, that Father, that is, that is a place in a way that we will grow in our faith as we show a commitment and a love for you and, and for others. And, Lord, I pray that we will come together as a church filled with people from all generations Who want to know, love, and serve you, and who want to help others in our community and around the world do the same. Lord, thank you for the beautiful body of your church that is diverse and that represents just all aspects of this life, God. We are better together. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.